Before we begin this episode of the Pool Scene Podcast, Kevin and I would like to thank every single one of you pool sceners out there for getting us to over 100 likes on our Facebook page. Guys, you have no idea how much that means to the both of us. This podcast means the world to us, and we love the fact that you guys are coming on board and enjoying the journey along with us. Because of that, hashtag pool 100, we want to give you guys the power to select the movie for episode number nine. That will be the viewer's choice episode. Submit all your movie ideas to us on our Facebook page at Pool Scene Podcast. It could be any movie. It can be from a silent movie like Metropolis in the 20s all the way up to something newer as of today. Ben-Hur to Deep Throat. Anything you guys want, go ahead, send all of your submissions to us. The top vote getters will get put on our Pool Scene Podcast spin wheel. All the top eight. We will spin the wheel. We will put up a video on our Instagram page at Pool Scene Podcast, and we will spin the wheel, end up being our movie of that week. So once again, everybody, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming along and enjoying this journey with us. Continue to spread the word. Enjoy Kickback, episode six of the Pool Scene Podcast. Let the show begin. The studio is filled with popcorn bursting out of the windows. I actually don't even know where the microphone is. I'm just speaking loudly in the direction where I think it is. A voice transmitted through our braces telling us to come here and record this episode. Did you know that we both wear braces? We're late bracers. It's a, it's a whole community. By we and us, I am, of course, referring to my co-host, a real genius. Jim, how are you? Hi, pool sceners. I'm great. Uh, I also fancy myself a sort of real genius. I am Kevin. Together, Jim and I form the Voltron that is the Pool Scene Podcast. Are we the legs or the arms? I don't know. <laughs> We're the heart. We're Voltron's heart. <laughs> oh, fuck it. If you haven't figured it out from our heavy-handed hints, today we will be covering 1985's Real Genius, directed by Martha Coolidge. Who did a damn good job in this movie, Very we good. Say. We visited 1985 just a few weeks ago with just one of the guys. Please refer to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you are listening now. With that said, Jim, please tell us about the budget and box office for Real Genius, as well as what was happening here in the United States at the time of release. Okay, so on August 7th, 1985, this amazing movie was released with a budget of only $8 million, it was a highway robbery that it only ended up making $13 million so at the box office. So it probably made nothing with, it, I don't know how it was promoted or figure anything. Figure staffing, cast, location, it probably lost, uh, lost its ass. So researching what happened in August of 85, quite frankly, folks, a very weak month. However, Michael Jackson bought every Beatles song for $47 million. Just because he had, you know, probably a tax write-off he had to do. So he said, ah, why not? Let's do it. The Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, Ooh. was captured 
in August of 1985. Big Night Stalker fans he liked out there. Himself, uh, some old women, the Night Stalker did. He loved that mature he'd tab go in, go on in, Pornhub. Yeah, he'd go in through the sliding doors and he'd uh, have his way with some some old women. Dude loved Ben Gay and Werther's Originals. Speaking and of Ben Gay. He sort of looked like Mitch in Real Genius. <laughs> Mitch in Real Genius, full disclosure, looked like Eric Stoltz's character Rocky Dennis from the movie Mask would share straight up. And for Kevin, big news. Hans Peter Beck of South Australia finished a 3,875 mile off of Yolzies out there, 6,236 kilometer. 51-day trip from Western Australia to Melbourne on a unicycle. Where did he go? The fucking outback, apparently. He went by it twice. He must have woke up one morning and go, what the hell are we going to do out here? Eh, I got a unicycle. Let's do it. Cool. Straight up, how you doing, Hans? I hope you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he is the Laszlo Hollyfeld of Australia. The number one song in America was... Ironically, a band featured in this movie, Tears for Fears, which Shout was the number one song in America and the number one movie in America, taking a one week break thanks to National Lampoon's European vacation. That's right. The one with the tits. Back to the Future was the number one movie in America at the time of release of this movie. Wow. Well, I always appreciate people in life who go the extra mile, not necessarily on a unicycle. But before filming Real Genius, the director, Martha Coolidge, actually spent months at Caltech researching laser technology and CIA policies. She also interviewed dozens of students in related fields. That's a nice segue because the result of her research led to the following plot. The CIA is developing a laser weapon that they are calling crossbow, essentially a laser that can destroy a target from a satellite in space. I think it's mentioned that the CIA has political assassinations in mind, or at least that's what's alluded to. That being said, the idea is they're struggling with the science, basically. So they're, they're developing this weapon. They've got the idea. It's the power source that's the issue. So the CIA enlists the help of Pacific Technical University professor Jerry Hathaway to solve their power dilemma. Now, Pacific Technical University is like Caltech. Yeah, it's the equivalent. Yes. That's the word I'm looking for. So Hathaway is having his gifted students do the work for him, but not telling them the purpose of the research. Essentially, he's wanting them to work 24-7 on this project, but not telling them why. The icing on the cake is that Hathaway is embezzling money from the CIA so that he can rebuild slash upgrade his house, and he chooses some weird design things but that's neither here nor there very questionable design things yeah hathaway recruits a prodigy high school student <laughs> named mitch taylor i'm mitch taylor i'm a student dr hathaway told me to come up here to oh. assist with the laser project got that cigarette hair that i've talked about <laughs> and the mask face yeah it's like an old lady wig uh mitch gets placed in a room with chris knight who basically is the Mitch before Mitch. He was the uh, previous phenom gifted student, uh, was probably recruited there to Pacific out of high school. Nerd. Yes. You didn't straighten up the place, did you? No. Good. Because all my filth is in alphabetical order. This, for example, was under H for toy. What is it? This? It's a penis stretcher. You want to try it? No. I'm kidding. 
It's yet another in a long series of diversions in an attempt to avoid responsibility. I'm Chris Knight. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Duck again! Oh, my God! Chris shows Mitch the ropes at Pacific, but Mitch is bummed that Chris doesn't take anything serious. Mitch is a very dedicated student. No friends. And Chris is a slacker, essentially. He's always joking. Every word out of his mouth's a joke, and he never seems to, to give any effort. So Mitch is actually assigned as the leader of the project, much to the dismay of pretty much everyone. But the idea is that he'll encourage Chris to tap into his unused potential. Again, Mitch is 15 years old, yeah, and he's assigned the head of this major project. Taken out of high school at 15, folks. Mitch and Chris run into some trouble with Kent. Kent is a, he's a kiss-ass student who's basically up Hathaway's ass. What's all this supposed to be? This? This is ice. This is what happens to water when it gets too cold. This? This is Kent. This is what happens to people when they get too sexually frustrated. But Hathaway uses him. Kent picks up Hathaway's laundry, and he names some other things, but he teaches his classes for him. Uh, Hathaway is the academic equivalent of a pimp. Yeah, basically. So after Chris throws a pool party in the auditorium, Hathaway directs his anger at Mitch. And Mitch is so upset by this that he calls his parents crying to come home. And he's unaware that Kent has recorded that phone call. The next morning, Kent plays that phone call for the entire cafeteria. Mom? Mom, are you there? Baby, you sound upset. What's wrong? I don't like it here anymore. I want to come home and live with you. It's not for you to like it. It's for you to do. You're 15 years old now. I, I want to come home and live with you. You want to live with me and daddy? Yeah, dad. And everyone laughs at him and he gets humiliated. He wants to go back to high school, but I'd imagine if he's a 15-year-old genius, that high school's probably very Last, similar for him. Yeah, I'm feeling a kid probably got the shit kicked out of him a couple times. So after the phone call, you find out Mitch's room's being rented out, and <laughs> it's We'll get into that in logic. Mitch uh, doubles down on wanting to leave school, and he starts packing his bags, but this sort of leads to some bonding with Chris. Chris has a heart-to-heart with Mitch and tells him how he deals with the pressure, and he also tells him a little bit about Laszlo, who was the Mitch before Mitch and Chris. And when I first came here for three years, I studied all the time. You? Yeah. And then one night, I'm sitting in this chair right here, I had a vision. What? Hollyfeld. The guy in the closet? Laszlo Hollyfeld. And I followed him into the closet, down into the steam tunnels. And there, I saw the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. What? Hollyfeld in his pajamas. So? So? I talked to him. You did? Yeah. And he used to be the number one stud around here in the 70s. Smarter than you and me put together. Mitch has been seeing Laszlo come through the room and go into the closet. And he, at first, he doesn't know if he's a ghost. Like, he just, this guy walks through their room, goes in the closet. And he doesn't know where he goes because there's nothing in the closet. Finally, Mitch sees the light and he plans to lighten up. His first action under his new creed of lightening up is to exact some revenge on Kent. Stick around and we'll get into that revenge in best scenes or maybe even logic or both. So the CIA is growing increasingly unhappy with the slow progress. Hathaway pulls Chris off the project, tells him that he's going to fail him. And he's giving his post-graduation job to Kent. You are no longer of any use to me. 
That is an interesting way to open up a conversation. I'm giving Kent the Darlington job. Did you suddenly find humor? You already gave me the job. You need a degree. I can pass your exam. Even if you pass, you don't pass. In fact, I don't see why you don't leave the campus right now. Okay, fine. I'll go to Dr. Meredith, and the work I've done on laser alone should merit a degree. You can tell Meredith anything you like. Who's he going to believe, you or me? You can't do this. It's done. You're out. Now get out! We get a montage here. I think this is montage two of three in yes, the movie. Yes, it's montage two. With some help from Laszlo, they study for the finals, and they figure out the laser problem. Well, sort of. Kent sabotages the laser by putting a smudge on the glass, which like, blows up the laser. But this actually leads Chris to having a breakthrough, and he figures it out. They test the laser. It's successful. And while out celebrating, Laszlo shows up to celebrate, but introduces a theory. And together, they realize they are being used. They have developed a weapon. Look at the facts. Very high power. Portable. Limited firing time. Unlimited range. All you need is a tracking system and a, and, a, and a large spinning mirror, and you could vaporize a human target from space. This is not good. They devise a plan where they transmit a radio through Kent's braces, and he believes he's talking to Jesus. <laughs> we, we had to look up, but I don't think we got a definitive answer. If this is possible to do, we're not sure. I mean, metal does amplify a radio signal, but... well. It's probably possible to transmit a radio through braces, but Kent, they're having a back and forth conversation. Mm -hmm. How are they hearing? Unless they put a microphone and a speaker in his braces. Regardless, he thinks he's talking to Jesus. Kent won't divulge the location of where the laser is because when they get back from the celebration, realizing they built a weapon, the laser is now gone. Kent and Kent's targeting mirror. Yes. So he won't divulge the location of the laser. But they follow Hathaway from his home to the Air Force Base where he is demonstrating the weapon for the CIA. Chris and Mitch sneak onto the base and reprogram the laser. That's a whole... That's a logic issue. That's a whole thing. Along with the rest of their team, they head to Hathaway's house. Another professor and a congressman are waiting outside with information that they were supposed to be there at a specific time. Kent's inside the house already because Jesus told him to be there, or at least he thinks it's Jesus. And at the precise time, the laser begins, it, it shoots through the house. It pops a ton of popcorn that they put inside. Because Professor Hathaway hates popcorn. It's yes, his kryptonite. He hates popcorn. So they put so much popcorn inside the house that it literally bursts at the seams, sends Kent sliding outside, and 10 feet of popcorn surrounds the house. So at the test site, Hathaway has apparently drone technology, like modern-day drone technology, and he realizes the laser targeted his house, the work of Mitch and Chris. Everyone celebrates in the popcorn. Laszlo pulls up in an RV that he won, along with a number of sweepstakes prizes. 31.8% off 1.6 million entries. Yeah, so he basically realized that Frito-Lay allows you to enter as many times as you want, and that's a whole thing. But he's also getting married, but maybe we'll get into that later. I'm not sure. Hathaway pulls up at dusk to see his house, and we assume everyone lives happily ever after. Now, Jim, unless you have anything else to mention, let's get into the characters. Let's do it. Okay, so we've got Val Kilmer as Chris Knight. Top build. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you haven't seen this movie, 
Think Ryan Reynolds in Van Wilder or Waiting. He was the original Ryan Reynolds, or yeah. Val Kilmer was what Ryan Reynolds became. Yes, because of how Val Kilmer delivers like every line, everything's a joke, the cadence, it's just like it's strong early Ryan Reynolds vibes. Waiting Van Wilder era. Yeah, we've got Gabriel Jarrett as Mitch Taylor. Huh. Michelle Mayrink as Jordan Cochran. Very strange. Very high in speed. Jesse Spano would have been best friends with her. Yes. Uh, William Atherton is Professor Jerry Hathaway. He's in this in Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. Yeah. and Die Hard. Yeah. Robert Prescott as Kent. He looks like a Martian. <laughs> uh, you said he looks like Meathead from Meatballs Part 2. He does. He looks like Meathead with braces. Meathead. Uh, <laughs> we have Robert <laughs> Prescott as Kent. He's uh, in this. He's also essentially playing the same character. He was in, in Bachelor Party. In Bachelor Party. John Grise as Laszlo. Hollyfield. Should have should have been Bobcat Gold. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> yeah we, we have this theory that it should have been Bobcat Gold. <laughs> would have been amazing uh he's uncle rico if you didn't know in napoleon dynamite he's uh, been in a lot of stuff and the only other one i wanted to mention is because these guys seem to sneak into every 80s movie bones brigade and z boys these guys stacy peralta is in this movie in the background somewhere as a shuttle pilot kevin and i were looking to see if tony hawk was in this too we were unsure yeah tony hawk was in every might have seen kareem campbell possible i don't know so Jim, which actor or actress gives a passable performance? Any non-lead character steal scenes? Non-lead characters. Well, I have to say, of course, Chris Knight. I mean, how can you not love Val Kilmer in this movie? The thing about this is before this movie, he was in a very little known movie known as Top Secret, which is a funny like Zucker Brothers type movie. And then immediately after he did this, he became Iceman. In Top Gun. It's, it's so such weird. a polar opposite It's so character. weird that somebody saw this movie and was like, this guy would be perfect for our villain, essentially. Exactly. And another person that stuck out to me, William Atherton is Professor Hathaway. I am the best, Don. In five. I mean, who do you think you're dealing with? How dare you try this? I have to go on. I think this whole conversation is incredibly poor taste. I really do. Bitch. Asshole. Now, the amazing thing about this, and it links into when we did Ghostbusters 1 and 2 in our season 1 finale. Make sure you check it out on Apple and Spotify. Professor Hathaway does a shitty PBS show called Everything. Welcome to Everything with your host, Dr. Jerome Hathaway. Funded by a grant from Darlington Electronic Instruments. And now, Dr. Hathaway. Hi. I'm Jerry Hathaway with Everything. Everything. The world of everything. Well, Pete Venkman also did a shitty PBS show, too, called World of the Psychic, where Kevin and I's one of our favorite lines ever is when the woman finds an alien at the Holiday Inn, Paramus. (laughs) So, Professor Hathaway is, too. Also, from a very secondary character approach, I want to give a big shout out to the guy who played Eek. Now, Eek... Ick. Ick. I come eek, ick, what the fuck ever. Ick Ben Ein Berliner. <laughs> He's a donut. He's a fucking donut. Eddie Izzard, shout out. However, eek, you gotta love him or ick. I'm gonna fuck this up the entire time. I His don't name care. Ikagami. Ikagami. Okay, ick. He makes the hallways in the dorm or wherever the hell it is into ice and then it goes directly to gas. Ick is kind of an unknown. 
hero in this because he finds out where Hathaway is. He ends up procuring, I'm assuming he procured all this popcorn himself. And he also helped Laszlo with the coordinates. It's another great one, too. I, I mean, Val Kilmer's performance is great. It's great that he did this, but he never got to do this again that I'm aware of. I mean, you have to remember, too, Val Kilmer was also Batman. Yeah, right. But a character like this? No, no. He And he's good. He's he's arguably better at this than he is at serious. Yeah, Val Kilmer. He, I, I mean, in Top Gun, he's great. Mm-hmm. And he's so good in Top Gun that that's probably what led to He was great stuff. in uh, another great Val Kilmer movie most people don't talk about is The Saint with Elizabeth yeah. Shue. I like Excellent that Excellent in that as well. I used to have a Saint poster. Really? You were yeah. that big a fan of no, the Saint? No, I wasn't. I, uh, Did you get it at like first row video? I or? think I spun a prize wheel at a county fair from the radio station or something. and They probably just had excess. Yeah, they had, here's a poster of the Saint. Now, I can remember oh. when I worked up at the radio station up at Clear Channel in Cleveland, celebrities and their publicists would come in with all this extra swag and it's literally what you would think it would just go in a bin and they would do giveaways yeah. just get rid of all yeah. this shit yeah come down to the station today yeah. <laughs> you won this free oblong hat promoting <laughs> how i met your mother <laughs> um it's like in uh airheads yeah it's we the got same thing. what is that then he does the he flips the tickets and he says concert tickets yeah okay so why don't we talk about best scenes i will go first because I want to make sure I get this one. It's the popcorn scene. Oh, it's the best. So they, after the popcorn scene, they kind of just casually drop in Tears for Fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. You think it's getting too weird around here? Absolutely. I didn't notice. I like it. and it's one of my favorite editing things ever in a movie how they drop the song in into the background first time i ever heard the song and then they drop out the gnat sound you get just slow motion people playing in popcorn there's uh some kids in there (laughs) but uh you get you get some kids playing in popcorn and they're playing this music. It's slow, but it's it's a great scene. It's just like it, it's like we talked about Lost and and Hurley in the van and like that idea of joy. It's like the good guys win. You know, you got this this great song and you got them jumping in the popcorn. And and the funny thing about this scene is that to achieve that house filled with popcorn for the film's climax, the production team popped popcorn continuously. For three months. They popped three months around the clock popcorn. And then the popcorn was treated with fire retardant so that it would not combust. And so that it would not be eaten by birds and possibly poison them. The popcorn was shipped to a subdivision under construction in uh, a city northwest of Los Angeles and then placed into the house. So they basically had to pop this popcorn nonstop for three months, treat the popcorn so that it would last and not disintegrate. Definitely put some sort of preservative coating yeah, on it. Yeah, and you know, it's crazy because it's it's the difference between, you know, as we get closer to Halloween, we may do a horror movie or a couple horror movies, but it, it's that whole discussion about the difference between practical effects versus CG or whatever. This, I mean, in 85, they didn't have much of a choice. I mean, they used some digital effects in this movie for like the, the shots in space, but ultimately... If this movie were made today, there's no way somebody's popping popcorn for three months. 
I mean, they're going to do CG popcorn. There's no way in hell. That costs way too much money. Yeah, so that's that's my first best scene in this movie. So my first one that sticks out to me is the first time you hear Laszlo speak. Hey, Laszlo. Laszlo. Oh, that's me. Hello. I've been watching you. Thanks. Well, I thought you might need some help with the test, so I dug into the computer and got every question Hathaway's ever asked on every final he's ever given. Gee, I, I didn't get you anything. Are those they? No. These are entries into the Frito-Lay sweepstakes. No purchase necessary enter as often as you want, so I am. That's great. How many times? Well, this batch makes it 1,650,000. I should win 32.6% of the prizes, including the car. That kind of takes the fun out of it, doesn't it? <laughs> but they set up the rules. Of course. We encounter Laszlo, and Mitch sees him walk into his room as he's freshly moved in, apparently abandoning high school. Fuck it, you don't need it. You're 15. You're a genius. You got a superior at the science fair. It's time to go to college. You see Laszlo come in, go into the closet, and leave. Mitch can't figure out why or how the hell he went or how he made it to where he was going within that closet. However, the first time as they are studying hardcore, in the shoddy library in the building, we meet Laszlo Hollyfeld, which Kevin explained that he was the big shot in the 70s. And he comes up with the Frito-Lay scheme, which he entered 1.6 million times, and he's hoping to win 32% of the prizes. Well, I, I don't know if you're going to bring this up, but it's a good time to mention it. Again, we've seen Laszlo cutting through the room, <laughs> going into the closet. No words spoken. Every Yeah, no words spoken. He just cuts through, goes into the closet. And every time Mitch looks in the closet, He's supposed to be a, a prodigy and a genius. Yeah. But he can't figure out. 20 points higher than Chris yeah, got in his entry test. can't figure out where Laszlo's going. And then he, lo and behold, he's just hitting the wood panels and then he hits a hollow panel. Then he closes the door. The door is the trigger. And ends up being some sort of like uh, like a kitty cart that you would see on a kid's ride. And yeah. he goes down into the steam tunnels, which. I don't know how, how long Laszlo has been at this school. Living. At this school, living in like a, I don't know, like a, I, I don't in even steam know. steam tunnels. Yes. Which another thing, as Mitch is going down into the steam tunnels, there's walls all around him, no insulation, paper thin. You would hear some weird shit going on. Oh, absolutely. But when we meet Laszlo, the funny thing, doing research into this movie, we found out that the Frito Lay contest scheme was a real thing that happened between three guys at IBM submitting 1.2 million entries with their own names and of those of 23 schoolmates in a McDonald's sweepstakes, which ties into McMillions that yeah, you brought yeah. up, which I have yet to see. But there was a lot of cool things. Uh, I will link that in the show notes. It's off Film School Rejects if you guys want to check it out. But the Laszlo scene is real funny. That's why it triggered Kevin and I thinking, what if Bobcat Goldwaith was in this movie and not John Grease? I'm just saying. But number one for me was Laszlo. Yeah, Laszlo says, do you want to wear my pajamas? <laughs> Out of nowhere, first thing he ever says to Mitch, you want to wear my pajamas? I got to go to sleep. <laughs> well, did you want to borrow my pajamas? No, no, thanks. He's a pretty smart kid. He's a smart kid. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like it's he's really strange. Yeah. Uh my next scene is the pool scene. Fala boys, come on in. The South Pacific calls you. Chris, who are the girls? They're not from around here, I know. No. But they're from a nearby college though. Which one? The Wanda Trussler School of Beauty. They're beauticians? 
Not yet. I don't know. These girls are not used to geniuses. You might impress them. I don't see how. Okay, okay. Given the type of people you are and the environment you're in, you have to admit the strong probability that this may be the only chance you will ever have in your entire lives to have sex. Think about it. Not to be confused with the pool scene that this podcast is named after, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which we will cover at some point. But there is a pool scene where Chris, and they don't say how, but Chris throws a party in the auditorium at the school and he invites beauticians. Yeah. From the Wanda Trussler School of Beauty. Yes. And it's kind of genius because, I mean, they're smart kids, but they they make the pool out of the orchestral pit. They line it, I think, with vinyl. Yeah. They put like tarps down mm-hmm. in the pit where the orchestra would be. Which is roughly only about a foot and a half of yeah. water. Yeah. There's a, we'll get into that. There's a, there's a part. <laughs> yeah. Where you see the water goes like mid shin on this one guy <laughs> and they're diving into this thing and everything else. But there's a uh, part that probably wouldn't fly in today's oh, not movie. But Chris goes up to one of the girls. Don't eat that. Don't you know that eating that stuff can give you very large breasts? Oh my god! I'm too late. The beauticians and she with a hot dog. She yeah. Is it a hot dog or hamburger? Yeah, I think it was a hot dog or hamburger. But or I think she has a hamburger. And Chris tells stop. He goes, don't you know that eating that will give you big tits? And then I'm too looks, late. Yeah, he looks down. He says, I'm too late. But the pool scenes, it's great. And then Mitch's love interest Jordan comes in Ugh. with a rebreather. Yeah, in two feet of water. So everybody else is in bathing suits. Yeah, jugs hanging out. Partying, you know, they're dancing very awkwardly because you can't hear the music when you're on set of a movie. That's the big thing. A lot of people, Kevin and I both know this, but maybe a lot of you out there don't know this. When they film a scene in a movie that has music in it, they have not yet agreed to what song that's going to be or if they got any artists contractually obligated that they can play their song. So you'll see the extras in the background just dancing there is one guy in particular in this scene that is dancing so far off beat to one night love affair yeah by brian he, adams it it looks painful he's like thrashing downward it like, makes the it looks like an 80 year old grandmother trying to dance to a modern it's, song it's weird uh so the pool scene is great though until hathaway is filming his show everything kent goes and retrieves and and tells Hathaway that they're having a party and then Hathaway shows up and busts up the party even though they should be there all of a sudden though when this scene first started we get a cameo appearance from the evil bad guy from Karate Kid Part 2 yeah the, the Japanese guy who fucking it's the worst Karate Kid movie it's the second one when they go to Okinawa worse Horrible. than the next Karate Kid with uh, oh Hillary, Hillary Swank, Swank. Ugh. Karate Kid 3 was my favorite one. So 3 is great. Three's because fantastic. of Barnes. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about that one day. When we, do a, when we do one of our big season finales, who knows? My second one is the scene we briefly talked about. Kent finding Jesus. Okay, who is this? This is Jesus, Kent. And you've been a very... Naughty boy. All right. Who is this? Cut the crap, Kent. You've built a weapon. Who apparently lives within his mouth, or he thinks it's his uh, glasses. 
or the light in his room. Jesus all of a sudden gives him a one-on-one like, hey, they decide to find out this is the way we can get Kent to divulge where the laser is. Of course, Kent doesn't know. But don't you think Jesus would, if it was really Jesus Christ himself, you think he would know where the laser is? However, Jesus, I use that in air quotes, brings up the fact that, and from now on, stop playing with yourself. Kent needs to stop playing with himself. And then Kent says this line, which is absolutely incredible. It is God. He just confirmed it is God. So why the hell wouldn't God know where a laser tracking system is? I don't know, but I love this scene. We get him talking to Jesus again later on. Kent sneaks a couple good lines into this movie. What's the one you like? Okay, it's at the very beginning. Where it's the first time Mitch, Mitch comes to the school. Yeah. So they're in the, the laser, la- laser lounge. That's a hell of a name. The, the lab. They're in the laser lab. In Two Kent- for one at the laser lounge. <laughs> Come see Wanda. Oh, coming up on the main stage. Wanda next up. Tiffany. But no, Mitch meets Kent for the first time. And Kent cannot wrap his head around that this little kid is going to steal his thunder. And potentially the job. The Jerry, Kent, I told you never to call me Jerry by my first name. Oh, did I? That guy. He can't wrap his head around the fact that a 15-year-old kid just came in. So he says this line right here that might be my favorite throwaway line in the entire movie. Listen real close. Are you expecting him or... Yeah, any minute now. Can I get you something? A I'm balloon? supposed to... <laughs> is there something you need a, a balloon it, it, and the camera cuts away and uh, hits the balloon line it's, and it's so fucking weird. good i've loved that weird. since i was a kid but yeah can't finding jesus that's uh, my next one all right the last one i'm gonna talk about is chris shows up at hathaway's house because that's something he does periodically throughout this movie you know he's working on this large project for him because I think it's a little weird to go to your professor's house. Yeah. So he goes to the professor's house. Hathaway is hosting some people who I don't think Chris realizes who they are. Uh, or if he did, would he really care? Uh, no, nope. he doesn't. Yeah. But it, it's the CIA people who are there to put pressure on Hathaway to make sure he's finishing this laser. Yeah. I'm assuming Hathaway is so definitely under a contract Chris, here. Yep. In one. Of, so he walks in and there's a girl here random random no idea why she's there and when i asked you i said why is she there you said she's the daughter of one of the cia guys okay fine but (laughs) still why is she there if i you know you don't typically bring your kids to business meetings but jerry ends up fucking her so there we go yeah later on but uh what does chris say to her i'm sorry i didn't get a chance to know you at all (laughs) i can't stand it have you ever seen a body like this before in your life she happens to be my daughter. Oh, well, then I guess you have. Oh, he says to the CIA guy, he goes, all right, I'm going to say it. Have you ever seen a body like this? In and, your entire life? Yeah. And the CIA guy says, yeah, she's my daughter. And he goes, oh, you have. <laughs> like, it's crazy. It's awesome. She also says that weird line. No, seriously, listen, if there's ever anything I can do for you or more to the point to you, you let me know, okay? Can you hammer a six-inch spike through a board with your penis? Not right now. A girl's got to have her standards. She, it, Chris is basically just trying to bang her in. I mean, you can't say you blame him. Such an interesting line. I'm not, yeah. Kevin and I tried it. It's <laughs> it's not possible. Yeah. Even if you take an amazing blue chew or a Viagra, apparently you can do it with a hammer, but not your hammer. Y'all know what I'm saying? Anything else uh, scene-wise you want to talk about? Very quickly, when they find out that the, the when they're sitting at the at Burgatory, 
Okay, we'll we'll talk about. There's something in logic which oh, I want to bring up, but Lazlo comes in and they realize it's a weapon of mass destruction. Just <laughs> the like, we don't give a shit. They're engineers. We have nothing to do with it. And Lazlo says something that has a short targeting time can easily vaporize a person in a matter of seconds. This look of realization on Chris's face with the ketchup hanging off of his mouth. And of course, they book it to the laser lounge. That's the new name for it. I don't give a fuck. It's a great name. And he gets pissed and they realize oh, we've been used this entire time to build a weapon of mass destruction. And they think of a scheme to, hey, we got to get back at Hathaway for this because we've been used and we're really going to screw them. And that leads to the popcorn scene, Tears for Fears. But that is an excellent realization scene. I love it. Yeah, I like that too because Chris gets threatened by Hathaway that Hathaway's going to fail him. He's going to give his job away that's lined up and he's pulling him off the project. So Chris really starts to focus. He gets this thing figured out. He passes his final. You know, they are celebrating, you know, at this at this bar. And then Laszlo shows up, I think, to celebrate with them, but then rains on their parade to be I like... I would love to have seen Laszlo celebrate, like playing pool, drinking yeah. beer. Playing the jukebox. Smoking a Benson and Hedges. Also, real quick, I want to mention Jordan walking in on Mitch Peen. Oh, hi, good morning. I saw you come in here. We met last night. Remember, I had the sled with me. I'm Jordan. Oh, here, I made your sweater. Last night? Yeah, it's just something I do with my hands. I hope I got the size right. I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, I have a brother, and I use him for a sizing comparison. And I have pretty good eye for that sort of thing, so I just went ahead and made you one because, you know, I was up. Are you peeing? Yeah. Oh, I never sleep. I don't know why. I had a roommate, and I drove her nuts. I mean, really nuts. They had to take her away in an ambulance and everything. But she's okay now, but she had to transfer to an easier school. But I don't know if that had anything to do with being my fault. But listen, if you ever need to talk or you need help studying, just let me know because I'm just a couple doors down from you guys, and I never sleep, okay? Uh, thanks. I will. <laughs> Are you done? Uh, I can't start. Because I'm here? I think so. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Well, I have to go. Me too. Bye. Bye. That she decided to oh. make a sweater. So she never sleeps. And that's why I said she's on speed or cocaine. Yeah. But she made a sweater and decides to barge into the bathroom while he's taking a piss. Yeah, it's really it's a really strange conversation. She's really weird. She's very, very strange. Yes. And uh, I would not want her to be my lifeguard. I'm pretty sure that if she were our lifeguard, she would miss blowing the whistle and she we would not get a pool check. But lucky for us, she's not our lifeguard. It's time to blow the whistle. Pool check. As mentioned earlier, we have discussed 1985. We did music videos when we did Just One of the Guys. So this time, we're going to talk about our favorite MTV shows of all time. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. Call your cable company and say, I want my MTV. This will include recurring specials, and I'm sure... We'll pick a couple, so we'll explain further at that point. And also want to thank all the people who gave us suggestions, because quite frankly, I myself forgot about a lot of these shows, and it's amazing to all you pool sceners out there. I think when I when we when were you, trying to come up with a uh, yes. topic, I think you were skeptical. I was skeptical because I initially said, I don't think there's enough for us to do even a, a 10 of them. But boy, I was fucking wrong. No, there's hundreds. There's like oh. hundreds of them. Yeah. But thanks to you and thanks to the pool seniors who also hashtag pool 100. We are now over 100 fans on Facebook. Thank you very, very much, everybody. And like I said, episode nine comes around. It's your guys's game. It's a viewer's choice. Okay. So I guess what, since I went first in scenes, I'll have you go first with your number five. Okay. 
Also, I want to say for when we get into this, we have there's so many seasons of road rules in real world that it's going to be that individual season, not just yeah, the whole no, series. Because, and I agree with that yeah. because I think every, even though it's the same premise, every season is a standalone thing. There's always standalone moments. And I would say after season 10, the real world went to shit. Well, now I saw now when we were researching this, it's like uh, there still is a real world. It's exclusive to like Facebook live. Oh, it's garbage it's now. So then. weird. However, for me, at number five is Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> okay, Beavis and Butthead. I have a once again a lot of these things I have a personal tie to. I loved. Beavis and Butthead to the point I was forbidden by my dad to watch this show to the point where my dad said, if I catch you, I'm taking away your (laughs) Nintendo and your Sega and your Sega CD. Like he was really adamant. So my dad had this den area. It was like his office that they made into at the time, my Michael Jordan room. It was my Jordan shrine room. It had no windows. It was like down in the doldrums of my house. My dad hears me laughing hysterically he comes in he catches me watching me with some butthead <laughs> he gets pissed sends me to my room he's like you're grounded for two weeks 15 minutes later all of a sudden from the vents i'm hearing hysterical laughing just non-stop laughing my mom and i go downstairs my dad sees cornholio for the oh, first yeah. time he was in fucking tears yeah. and he kept he looked at me he was like i'm cornholio i need tp from my bunghole my dad Fell in love with Beavis and Butthead. And then next thing you know, every week, my dad and I are watching Beavis so and Butthead. So what was his his apprehension? I think his apprehension was that I could be possibly influenced or say dirty things that I was not prepared or understood the rhyme or reason as to why I would say it. Okay. But it's one of those things where our parents thought that Marilyn Manson and video games would corrupt our mind. Evil. But now... Our parents' generation are all being brainwashed by Fox News. Oh, big time. So that's an, a topic for another conversation. Yep. Now, I actually had Beavis and Butthead much higher. I'll go ahead and say right now, I had it as number two. Very but nice. One of the things about Beavis and Butthead that's such a lasting like impression is that everyone at school talked like Beavis and Butthead. And there are like <sighs> kids that talked for Beavis, like yep. Beavis and Butthead for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like they did it so often it's like they couldn't snap out of it now beavis and butthead's been rebooted it's being rebooted again and it it's it's odd like i don't even know what my favorite part is like there were two episodes per episode there were like two whatever 10 minute segments and then there was also them watching music videos which i mean let's be honest what we're doing right here right now is kind of inspired by that yes big time yes you would see these bands most of them like I remember the first Godly time. Godly and Cream cry. Like, yeah. Beavis uh, and Butthead. The Rentals, Friends of P. Yeah. I never would have heard that song before. There's so many videos that were on Beavis and Butthead that were never played on MTV otherwise. Or not even MTV 2. Yeah. So it, it really was like that Mystery Science Theater, Beavis and Butthead giving commentary, live commentary. And it's Mike Judge. 
Yeah. I mean, Mike Judge, King of the Hill, he did Idiocracy, he did Extract. I mean, you just name, Mike Judge has a, a very proven track record. Beavis and Butthead, fantastic. I, I won't spend any more time on it. My number five, actually the first time ever on this podcast, however many episodes in, I'm going to pull an audible from what I had written down. Oh, snap. Because there's just something I can't leave off my list. And you're probably going to criticize me for this. I do want to talk about the other one in honorable mentions unless you bring it up, but my number five, Jersey Shore. And, you know, when it first came out and seeing that people watched it, I'm like, God, how could anybody watch this? But I'll tell you the reason I'm picking it, because the power of documentary style filmmaking. So everybody could make a good documentary. Any director can make a good documentary. But what really makes it is the subject matter. So, you know, you can make a documentary about a dog, about a, a, you know, a bookshelf, whatever, but it's Jersey Shore gave us that window into something that most of us maybe necessarily didn't know existed. Douchebag culture. Jersey Shore, (laughs) Guidos and Meatballs. Yeah, grenades. Yeah, grenades. There's so much lingo that came out of this and it's just fascinating. It's fascinating that it's like, these people live six hours from us, mm. but they're like a different species. Oh, they definitely are. And Ugh. there's, I mean, so, so many quotes and like silly things that happen on Jersey Shore, real or not. I mean, MTV, and, and we'll get into this on some of these other shows, you know, they really, well, you, you mentioned real world already. I'm sure it's going to come up, but real world, it really, really changed the game for reality television show. It wasn't the first. But as far as like it set the standard, the basis, Jersey Shore would not exist without real world. Mm-hmm. But it's like Jersey Shore was real world with a thesis. So the thesis being Jersey Shore, Guidos and Meatballs, GTL, try, trying to get drunk and late yep. and do their laundry. Now, I will give a lot of credit when I did stand up comedy. My closer for the longest time was I did a joke about the situation abbreviating everything and I would set up a date I had with a girl and I would abbreviate everything as a situation. So I have to give a lot of props to Jersey Shore, specifically the situation for helping my comedy career. It's crazy because it became like a pop culture phenomenon. It did. I mean, situation went to prison and it became a huge deal. And, you know, Snooki was on WrestleMania and Let's forget about that. Dancing with the stars. She was awesome on WrestleMania, actually. But um, Vinny and Vinny and Jay. Wow. Uh, yeah. Vinny did Chippendales in Las Vegas. Paulie D is a DJ who does guest spots. He makes like $30,000 an appearance. It's insane. Yeah. I don't make that much when I DJ. <laughs> I guess I'm not a Guido. Damn it. Yeah. Okay, so my number four is what we're going to start breaking into the reality show, but I'm not going real world here. I'm going Road Rules Season 1, the very first season of Road Rules. Woo-hoo! You've been picked for the road trip you will never forget. Survive the adventures planned for you, and you'll be rewarded handsomely. So empty your pockets, and we'll take care of the rest. Throw out your rules. These are road rules. 
I loved it. I remember not too long ago, I think I found it on YouTube and I rewatched it. Was it was like real world on the it road. Was, well, they got the idea through Road Rules through real world, the season two premiere real world when they were going to Los Angeles. It started with John, the cowboy guy, picking up a couple of his roommates in an RV. That ended up spawning into Road Rules, which I thought was a, a definitely ahead of its time show. It's people from different walks of life all crammed into an RV going across country and doing these little missions to make money on their way. Yeah. And then, of course, you're living in super close quarters like that. There's always going to be arguments. There's going to be fights. But I'll never forget in season one, they end up doing a roadie gig for Van Halen. I thought that was so fucking cool yeah. to see Sammy Hagar and he's on road rules. People kind of got big from the show. Now, Kit Hoover was on the show. She worked for Access Hollywood forever. I'll never forget her because there was a romance between, well, kind of the romance between Kit and Mark. That Mark was, you know, the prototypical fraternity brother, blonde hair, but he seems like the down to earth guy, but he's the one who was always good at sports. And then you had Shelly, who lived on a Native American land and stuff like that. It was a really good show. I think it ended up going six seasons. Well, that's it, a weird thing. Is like yeah. Real World started before Road Rules mm. and went on after, but yeah. I don't understand why. Basically, they, Real World and Road Rules ended up breaking into the challenge. So, and, and that's what I was going to bring up. I don't know if you were going to pick the challenge. That actually isn't even on my list or honorable mention. I wasn't. I had some people. I had a few people. Uh, Tell us the challenge. Now, the challenge, like unofficially, it, it's like a major U.S. sport. They took yeah. like all these people from real world and road rules who now a lot of them have aged out, yeah. but they th still survive through that show. But they've got, you know, people from MTV reality shows essentially playing this athletic competition. Yeah. And it's it's such a weird concept that they've done that, that it's like if you were to go back 20 years and ask somebody on the real world. Like, hey, Amaya from Real World Hawaii. I don't know if she's on there. Wow, hell of a good yeah. reference there, buddy. But, uh, hey, would you believe that in 20 years from now, you will be making a very good living doing athletic challenges mm -hmm. because of your fame on this show? Yeah. It's so weird. There's so many good seasons <laughs> of the Real World and Road Rules. But, yeah, I got Road Rules season one at number four. Number four. Hmm? My bum is on your lips. My oh, bum is on your lips. Tom Green Show. Tom Green Show. I seem to be going down a path of picking things because they were influential. Tom Green, if you're not familiar, is complete like absurdist black comedy, not like the the term black comedy. He's very deadpan. Yes, deadpan and Canadian just, Stephen Wright. Yeah, just a very absurd humor. One of my favorite things ever is there was an episode on a cruise ship. And he's asking all these non-English speaking people questions. And he asks the one guy's name and he says something and he says, Serial Carpins. It's just, <laughs> oh, God, it's so, that. like, it was so crazy. And without Tom Green, and like, he had a song that yeah. charted. Like, it's yeah. insane. He still does stand up. But without Tom Green, there's probably no Tim and Eric. There's probably no, I mean, there there would be, but I don't know that they could have 
mainstream access. The one that's a perfect example is on Comedy Central on Adults, or not Comedy Central, on Adult Swim, the Eric Andre show is literally just the Tom Green show. It's the same thing. It's like part of the time he's interviewing people in the studio and just asking them like the most insane questions. And then part of the time he's out doing like skits on the street. It's just, he had a movie, Freddie Got Fingered. Which is horrible. It's it's awesome, but it's insane. But he's Tom Green. I mean, he was, Tom Green was Tom Green in Road Trip. Yeah, right. So he's, it's nuts. It's nuts that that was on television, but it was. And MTV was smart because a lot of these, they were ahead of their time. Nobody else is going to put this on television. But MTV did, and now everybody puts that type of stuff on television. My number three, I kind of mentioned it into a previous episode, remote control. Kenny wasn't like the other kids. Remote control. TV mattered. Nothing else did. Girl said yes, but he said no. Remote control. Now he's got his own game show. Now, this is MTV's first jaunt into the game show division world. I mean, we see a little bit later on with, I don't know if it's been mentioned, will be mentioned in honorable mentions. We've idiot savants kind of singled out as well. But Remote Control, who was hosted by Ken Ober, basically the process of the whole game show is you have three people on a recliner. There's a television screen with nine channels. And some of these channels would be quick trivia nothing to really you know it was like it was like mtv's jeopardy it basically was but like for slacker counterculture because they were in recliners yeah and they were eating snacks they'd have a snack break they would drop them on it like on nickelodeon would dropping slime they drop popcorn and hot dogs one of the channels would be you'd have to sing karaoke the other thing would be some weird prop coming out and you lose points but we got to see big actors that ended up being on show adam sandler was on the show before snl colin quinn we also see one of my big crushes from the TV show, Sliders. Kari Wurr was on that, who also starred in Sandblast. Might be brought up later in honorable mentions. But Remote Control was in a weird way ahead of its time. I think it only lasted like three seasons. But I can remember personally for me, not only did I love watching the show, I had this game for my Commodore 64. Wow. And I ended up playing a ton of it. I still have it. And I ended up starting to feed my head full of useless pop culture knowledge thanks to ken ober in remote control my number three mtv unplugged Ooh, very good one so i will watch any mtv unplugged i don't care who the band was nirvana stuck out for nirvana is the biggest one i mean i i read like a ten thousand word article on the history of the mtv unplugged with nirvana and what like it's almost like they didn't know until the last minute if they were going to show up. They didn't know if it was going to work. They, and I mean like Nirvana did theirs and they did like meat, they did like three meat puppets covers instead of just Nirvana songs. But there was Stone Temple Pilots. Did Oasis also do one? I don't know if Oasis did one. LL Cool J did one. I mean, they're still making like one of the very memorable ones is Dashboard Confessional later on because it's like Dashboard Confessionals is so crazy because they just, took a bunch of teen kids who were into that thing and they're screaming so loud that they're like drowning him out. But yeah, MTV Unplugged, I will watch any, anyone. Like, I don't care which one. The other day, I wanted to go watch one song of Alice in Chains on MTV Unplugged and I ended up sitting down. <laughs> I watched the whole thing, mm-hmm. the entire episode. So MTV Unplugged, 
I didn't even say what MTV Unplugged was. Oh yeah, good and point. Just, and yeah. If not, if if you're not familiar, MTV Unplugged was essentially acoustic. Mm-hmm. They would take any artist and they would strip them down. They'd sit them on like a stage with some stools and just cover the whole thing in candles. It was just a- acoustic versions of whatever artist. That's literally in the title, Unplugged. But and some of those songs were better unplugged, to be quite honest. Yeah, they were, they were great. I mean, it gave them a whole different appeal. And then like, I think if I'm not mistaken, MTV Unplugged, Nir- like Nirvana's, may have been their highest selling album. I'm, I could be wrong. I think you might be right. I don't see why it wouldn't be. Yeah. Well, probably never mind. If anything, this might have came a close second, no doubt. Okay, so my number two is The Real World, San Francisco. This is the true story. True story. Of seven strangers. <laughs> Picked to live in a house. And have their lives changed. To find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. The Real World, San Francisco. Now, initially in the early, this was the third season of The Real World, and this one was the one that kind of sent The Real World into the stratosphere because you had Pedro, which was the first guy you ever saw on national television who was A, gay, and B, living with AIDS. And I remember, you know, President Clinton at the time inviting and working with Pedro about learning about homosexuality in America and learning about AIDS even more. Because in the 80s, there was a huge AIDS crisis, but they associated AIDS only with homosexual men. Pedro gave awareness to AIDS. And I remember that sticking out to me as a kid. But I also remember being 12 years old and freaked out about what's this AIDS thing like. Yeah. And needless to say, that triggered my mom even more because she's like, you're never going to ever, ever have sex because <laughs> you don't want to get AIDS. You tried your best. You held tried my best, you, you know, and that just, you know, it didn't happen until I was 24. But then there was also Pedro's foil on that show was Puck. Yeah. Everybody remembers Puck Rainey. He, he just dirtbag, never showered, always picked his scabs and always picked on fucking Pedro got pissed at Judd because Judd was throw it right back at Puck. It came to the point where I think Puck became more of a character than he was actually David. And everybody on that show knew he was full of shit. He was putting it on for the cameras to the point Puck left the show. Yeah. And that was a big thing. And I remember MTV promoting the fact that Puck's going to leave the show. But once again, I mean, if you look at the people from the show, they went on to, I mean, Pedro, like I said, worked for the Clinton administration. He ended up dying not too yeah. long after yeah, the show. Yeah, they would plaster his face on subsequent seasons because, yes. again, raise awareness. I think there was a foundation for him. Yeah, the Pedro Zamora Foundation, yeah. I believe. Judd ended up becoming a really well-known, I mean, even at the time of the show, he was a well-known cartoonist. Rachel, who was, which that was a weird relationship between Puck, Puck and Rachel. However, Rachel became a crazy right-wing Republican who ended up marrying Sean from season six. But San Francisco was such a pivotal year. Like, I almost said London because I actually liked London a little bit more. But not that many people watched London more than San Francisco. So I went with San Francisco. It's such a great show. It's my favorite season, Seattle. Oh, with Irene and Steven slaps her in the face. Slaps Irene. She had the Lyme disease. Yeah, she was nuts. (laughs) She was a little (laughs) like something, but she didn't deserve to get slapped in the face by Steven. Like, no, crazy. I remember he ended up getting kicked off the show because he, you know, you can't punch anybody in fucking show. I I did like Hawaii though too with Steven or Colin and Amaya. Yeah, Tech. Remember oh, tech. I remember tech. He ended up speaking yeah. of Ryan Reynolds. He was yeah. in Van Wilder. Yeah. I also loved the real world Miami because it was the first time they decided to modify 
the season where, listen, you guys have to get jobs. People are complaining that none of you have jobs. I don't remember which season it was, but there was David. He had a really heavy Boston accent. And I'm pretty sure that was real world Boston. It might have been. Bo- yeah. It must have been. Boston. I, think it was, yeah. I remember reading an article about him because he was like a ton of girls love interest and how he got selected for the show. He literally did not audition for the show there. He was um, he went to like a private school or something and they were at like a like a rest stop on yeah. like a school trip or something. I don't rem- I don't remember the exact. Wait, story. No, I think the other guy on the show, Nathan, yes. they weren't the school together. They were both Marine Corps yeah. guys. Yeah. Yes. And David was at a rest stop or something and a producer saw him and was like, you have to be on the show. Cause I think his buddy tried out for the show yeah. and they're like, no, you two are too good together yes. and the girls will love him. Yeah. They so both he, got on the yeah. show. I liked that season too. God, I, the real world was, was so good guys. Season where they worked at a radio station. I think. Yeah, that Boston was season six. Yeah, because Sean that's the was other, Genesis. Yeah, she was the lesbian on the show. Yeah, yes. that's the other thing is that uh, they had to have jobs. Season five started that because people kept not before email. They would write in and go, "Listen, these kids are fucking freeloaders, staying in yeah. a big ass house, and they don't have to work for it." So he entered a relationship while he was on that show, and he would sneak off. Yeah, big no no. There's cameras everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Big no no. And I'm pretty sure it was a producer yeah. that he had a relationship oh, that's with. That's right. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. She ended up getting shit canned. Yes. Yep. She got fired. And I think they introduced her as like a sort of like a de facto cast member. I think she came back in after she was because fired. She was fired. It made too much news. It was great friggin' ratings. Yeah, how how awesome. But uh, enough of that oh, for yeah. now. Uh my number two. Was Beavis and Butthead, as I mentioned. So why don't you go ahead and give us your... Well, how about this? Since your number two is so short, you go straight to your number one. Yeah, number one, the most... And bear with me, I have a theory. The most influential MTV show of all time, Jackass. Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to Jackass. So Jackass started as CKY, That's a bunch right. of friends, you know, making videos together of doing stupid stuff, pushing each other in shopping carts, punching each other in the face. I did. We all did our own Skate, Jackass yeah, stuff. Yeah, we all did our own Jackass stuff, doing skateboard tricks, jumping off houses, whatever. But MTV putting this on the air, they tapped into something. Something was happening in about 1999 Mm -hmm. where America was embracing the Mm anti-hero in wrestling. Stone Stone Cold Cold. Steve Austin. Everybody wanted to be Stone Cold. You know, something about this bad boy anti-hero and Jackass was like, you couldn't look away. I mean, whether you watched it because it was a train wreck and you want to see these dudes hurt each other, whether, you know, what it was funny to you, whatever. Whenever you heard that opening, burn, burn, yes. burn, you knew. I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome I'm to Jackass. Jackass. So what I'm getting at is the way that they edited this show. Now, for them to do these stunts and stuff, it may have taken hours, but it was like, okay, dude fell, jumped off a house and broke his leg. 
What's the next clip? Oh, a dude getting pushed down a mountain. A dude rolling down a tire. A dude whatever. taking a dump at a Lowe's. Yeah, it was exactly. It was just. It was boom, 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 boom. It was clip after clip after clip after clip. And in three movies. Yes, and it was like the way that it was edited. It. I don't know if it addressed that everybody has such a short attention span, or I don't know if it caused everyone to have the attention span but in a way it was negative because it was like everybody's just like okay what's next all right guy get his head blown how can we one up ourselves yes everything was like how can they do one up so i truly think that jackass is responsible for snapchat stories tiktok Mm -hmm. uh what was the one that used to exist and was is gone vine vine you know seven second videos Mm -hmm. it's this Great, what's next? Great, yep. what's next? Yep. Great, what's next? It killed attention spans, but it, it was awesome. I don't know what it was about Jackass, but like the spinoffs, Viva La Bam. Oh. And then the they had a honeymoon one with, with Bam. Yeah. And then they had movies. They had Wild Boys. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still Johnny Knoxville's still making movies. It got to the point where Johnny Knoxville even said, I had to stop doing this shit because I can't remember what stunt he did. Remember, it broke his dick and he had to piss in a bag because he broke his urethra. It's it's a sad story Mm -hmm. in a way because it's a bunch of guys who got rich and famous off breaking their own bodies. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because of the show or they already had it. It's like Travis Pastrana. Yeah. Who's a he used to just be a dirt bike rider. And then he went into NASCAR and and NASCAR skateboards and helicopter nitro circus. And it's like. Uh, this sounds morbid, but one day Travis Pastrana is going to die doing a stunt. Yeah, because it's never enough. I mean, he didn't die doing a stunt, but Ryan Dunn and that was what, a big. And that's one. what I was getting at. Yeah. So Travis Pastrana, it's just like his he's an adrenaline junkie, and his stunts just get bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's like with Ryan Dunn, it's like he died, I think, drinking and driving and driving mm-hmm. way over the speed limit. But it's like these guys, they always went balls to the wall and. Ryan Dunn dying, Bam Margera. It know. sent Bam down a slope. He has never really come back from. No, and he's because he's know, always taken responsibility had for that problem with his family, and he's been on Doctor Phil. Jackass is just influential, and then I, I literally think it changed everything. Everything had to step up and meet this. What's next? You know, every all editing became snap, 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 snap. Everything. You know, cuts are faster, editing's faster because of Jackass. So my number one is also a very influential show, but I'm going polar opposite of where you went. Ash Jack. (laughs) I love Ash Jack was great. Being in high school around this time, I always had to rush to get home at three o'clock because this show was on. It was TRL, Total Request Live. Carson Daly. With Carson Daly. I didn't know about this. We'll be right back with Mariah Carey on TRL unexpectedly passing out ice cream. And more jingles, more videos. I had his haircut at one point. I had the front flip. I remember being in like seventh period before school would let out. And we would speculate, hey, man, do you think Corn is finally going to beat NSYNC this week? Or is it going to be Backstreet Boys? Like Bum Bum Song. Finally, the fans pushed him up, made it to number one for a week. But that was the, the amazing thing about interaction with that show. Like you would look out the window at MTV Studios in Times Square. The place would be fucking packed. Yeah. If it was 
Backstreet, in sync, ninety-eight degrees. This was in the time of well, it's, the second re, the uh, revival of again, pop music. It's essentially the same time as Jackass. It's that nineteen ninety-nine, yes. two thousand, mm-hmm. where you know technology was getting faster. Yep, and it's the internet like, was more widely around. They, they hit the right buttons. They. I, I don't know what because the, the show's premise wasn't anything earth-shattering. Or it was original. just a request show. That's it all it was. A request show and a countdown. Mm-hmm. But it's like there was. It was our countdown. Yeah, it there, was our countdown of the generation. Yeah, there was interaction with the fans. Yes, and the fact that it was open ended too that Corn and Backstreet Boys were on the same show. Yeah, it wasn't Headbangers Ball, which we'll talk about. It yeah. wasn't just metal music or pop music. It was literally you want it on the show. We'll put it on the show. Uh, and it got to the point. I remember they did. What was it? A 30 day cutoff for a song. And that was it. And you had to move on to the next one because before they did that cutoff, it would be the same damn songs in that top 10 every week. I will say TRL that there was something called Ray Day. I think it was called Ray Day hmm. where ICP fans, Juggalos. Oh, God, that's right. They voted for ICP mm-hmm. and it walloped everything and got the most votes and mtv did not air it yeah wasn't that the one that people started shitting on trl because like listen this is a fan yes. show yes and you're ignoring what we want right. and then all of a sudden trl changed yep they kind of killed their own credibility because yep. if you let the fans decide and they decide and you still if you go against that and say that doesn't count because of the means in which they did it, then you're a fraud a little bit. But even Carson Daly got sick of the show after a while, and he ended up leaving because it wasn't the same original show as when he came on board. No. TRL, if you were, like, I was a senior 99 into 2000. That was the show to watch. You you haul ass home from school, and for an hour from three to four, be like, man. You know, it's it's funny because it's one of the first instances, too, of MTV not playing a whole video it was depending on how many times it was already on the countdown you'd say okay once again number nine of swink is in sync tearing up my heart but number eight yeah normally they would reserve that for people who haven't been on the countdown much or not at all yeah but trl was i could compare it to my parents listening to casey Kasem on the radio for the countdown you know yeah but yeah, TRL, definitely my number one. Yeah, good one. So some honorable mentions oh, we got a that lot. I want to get into. Uh, I just said Headbangers Ball, a show dedicated 100%. Ricky to, Rackman. Yeah, Ricky Rackman to metal music, The Grind with Eric Nice. <laughs> it was literally... Just a dance show. A dance show. Playing... But it w- it was no, it was '90s American Bandstand. Yeah, but right. with Euro music and but shit yeah, like it that. was music that wasn't being played on MTV. It, it was just like literally, you know, a jib arm or a mm-hmm. crane camera. <laughs> Just going around the room watching people. And Eric Nice got that from the real world. So there you go. Fear, not Silencia fear. (laughs) Hey, how's it going? Not uh, Mr. Mr. Walker fear. But uh, MTV had a kind of, again, paranormal show. (laughs) Influential paranormal show. I'm not the one who's so far away. They would send people into haunted places with recording equipment. Before GoPros, you have a nice-sized camera strap. Ghost Hunters and all those other shows. It's a fucking great show. Yeah, Maid. Maid's a great one. Where they would basically, somebody would tell Maid that they wanted to be something, and they would put them on the path to being that thing. Pimp my ride (laughs) with Exhibit. this is a 1985 Chrysler LeBaron. It is tight. I put Mad Mike. I put 37-inch speakers all over the car, even <laughs> on the outside. I just had to go get groceries. In I this put car. a fish tank under your wheel well. <laughs> it was like it and and you find out that Pimp My Ride was one of the most and now I alluded to this earlier. MTV 
scripted so many of these reality did shows. A ton. And producers, you know, got involved because the thing about reality is reality, what happens? Yeah. But then at some point, producers were like, we gotta We gotta spice it up because this is boring turn shit. Turn the knob a little bit. But on Pimp My Ride, they would have people volunteer for you to use their car. <laughs> and if it was a shit box that didn't run very well, they turned it into a ridiculous, like disco balled out. You wouldn't want to be caught dead driving yeah. what they gave you. Uh punked, which I, I wasn't a fan of. I don't I like don't punk really prank stuff. Pumped. Uh punked was Oh, uh, punked. I'm sorry, they said pumped. I'm like, what no, the fuck is pumped? pumped. Ashton Kusher. Yes. Now, what my original number five was, Date My Mom. So do you okay, remember? Yeah, date, I remember Date, date my, mom. my Mom was a boy would go on dates with three different moms. Oh, that's and ask right. the moms questions about the daughter and then decide who he wanted to date based on the mom. Now, based on her looks, the daughter's probably going to look like her and based on the answers. It's kind of creepy. It's super weird. Such a weird premise. You'd always get the boy saying like, Oh, mom's a total ham. Like, but you know where that came from? The MILF thing from American Pie. Yes, yes exactly. Mm-hmm. So along with Date My Mom, there was Next, and there yes. was uh, Room Raiders. I remember Room, Room Raiders. Raiders, super weird. It was the same premise as Date My Mom, where you'd have to select somebody, like a blind date sort of thing. You had to select who you want to date based on kind of going through the shit in their room. <laughs> yeah. And then they bring in a black light and it'd be like, oh, there's jizz on the ceiling. <laughs> Viva La Bam, we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Now, MTV used to have WWF Tough Enough, a reality oh, competition. Huge show for us. WWF Sunday Night Heat, which was oh. in, in the height of the Attitude Era. There was Raw, yep. SmackDown, and Sunday Night Heat. And then later, even after MTV and WWF parted ways, you had Wrestling Society X, which I had some friends on. MTV Cribs, speaking yeah, of, of influential show and speaking of fixed reality shows, because time. most of those celebrities didn't own those houses. The Osbournes. Yep. That was speaking of a revolutionary show. Celebrity Deathmatch. Never which, liked it. When you look back in hindsight, I didn't either. And when yeah. you look back in hindsight, how absurd of a concept. Mm-hmm. We're going to make clay versions of celebrities and let them kill other celebrities. Yeah. Imagine like. And they got I mean, away it with did it. piss off a lot of people, yeah, too. Yeah, they got away with it under parody, but crazy. Daria, The Head, which a couple people mentioned, but nobody remembers. MTV Beach House. Basically, MTV would air their programming throughout the year, but mm. then when they got to summer... It was exclusive at the Beach House. Yeah, it was exclusively at the Beach House. Now, I, I think the, the number one response that I had got this week for people reaching out was The State. Now, the I was State, gonna, That's in mine. Yeah, it was a sketch comedy show... Everybody on the state, our went buddy on to Fu do, turned me on. Yeah, to the state. everybody from the state went on to do something like uh, a bunch of them can be seen in Wet Hot American Summer. Oh my God, yeah. And it's, David Wayne, Ken yeah. Marino, Carrie Kenny. Yeah, it's it's so good. It's so funny. Thomas Lennon. Yeah, it's so funny. There's, uh, I mean, there's, I could go through countless sketches. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have for uh, honorable mention. I have a, I have a couple here that you didn't bring up. Did you mention Robin Big? I didn't. No, Robin Big, huge. I mean, Big Black, come on. There were so many things. Which is funny with Robin Big because Rob Deerdeck, it's like he signed his soul away to MTV mm-hmm. because now MTV <sighs> is 18 hours a, a day. Rob 18 hours a day of ridiculousness, yeah. which is just 
Rob Deerdeck's like America's Funniest Videos. I liked Fantasy Factory. Yeah, Fantasy Factory was cool with but, uh, what's Big Cat. Yeah, Big Cat. But then uh, the rest of MTV now is 16 and Pregnant, Teen Mom. Ridiculousness. And Ridiculousness. That's it. Another one I want to bring up, Human Giant. Yeah. That's another Aziz great. Aziz Ansari. Yes. Yeah. Singled Out. Yep. Chris, Chris Hardwick, Hardwick, Jenny McCarthy. Yeah. 120 Minutes, which was a two-hour block of rock videos yeah. hosted by Matt Pinfield. Yeah, pretty much nothing but videos. It was always late at night. I think it was from midnight to two. Yeah. True Life, I'm a pro wrestler. That Just one stuck out enough. Any True Life. Any True Life, but that one specifically for me because yeah. of Rapid Delivery, yes. Rory Fox. And another big one for Kevin and I, Rock and Jock, either B-Ball oh Jam or Softball. Yes. So we, uh, we I, this was this. in my top yes. five, but I, I switched it out. It So I don't think you can, if you're younger, can truly grasp We're talking early 90s. how big of a deal Rock and Jock was. It was every major celebrity TV, like well-known at the time. Softball and basketball. Oh. And they kind of twisted the rules a little bit. There was the, I remember in basketball. I mean, when you and I shoot hoops every time, when we shoot it from deep, it's the Dan Cortez yes. 10 point shot by yeah. the half court line. Uh -huh. At one point, they stacked two, ba three baskets yeah, on top. A yeah, a 25, 50, and 100 point baskets. And then um, in softball was amazing. The homeboys versus the away boys. In the outfield, mm -hmm. there was like all kinds of crazy things. Home run Now, derbies. the craziest thing is to look back at the casts <laughs> of like the 1990 91 games. <laughs> oh, Rick Mahorn. It's nuts. Like, our buddy sent me a picture of Rock and Jock, and it's like, George Clooney with like Paulie Shore. Yeah. It's just they got And then you get a random NBA player yeah, in there right. too. And then they have and now Joey Lawrence. Every year I watch the so I really like NBA All Star Weekend. They do dunk contests, three point contests. And it's not the same as what it was when we were kids. Yeah, I agree. But they do a celebrity basketball game. And like I watch it every year because it's like a watered down imitation. It's the closest thing I'm going to get to rock, it's rock and jock. Yeah. It's real basketball, but it's played with like the wackiest celebrities and stuff. But rock and jock always now. Cause remember they used to market that yeah, shit. It footlocker brick and layers, bricklayers and the violators yes. and the homeboys versus the away boys yes. and softball. Yep. But yeah, that's, that's all my honorable mentions. And once again, pool seniors, Thank you very much for your suggestions. If there's something you want us to do on a pool check, oh, please, we're going to do music videos if the year's open. If mm -hmm. we've done music videos, what do you Free want to hear us? What do you want to hear us talk about? Mm -hmm. What do you want to suggest? Reach out to us. Yes. Okay. With that said, uh, I don't know if our crazy weird uh, lifeguard, I can't remember her name. Jordan. Jordan is back on duty, but uh, let him know. Guys, Jordan's back. You know what that means? Everybody back in the pool! So a funny thing is that Real Genius is potentially getting optioned as a television show yeah. from Happy Madison, which is Adam Sandler's production company. Now, my big concern about a Real Genius TV show is that I fucking despise buys big bang theory uh, so do i and i feel like that's now happy madison not that they have a great track record essentially but happy madison getting a hold of it makes me think they take it another direction but i just all i hear when i'm like that they would buy the rights to real genius mitch is like, would be sheldon yeah is big bang theory is mm -hmm. that they would have 
a show about a bunch of smart kids. Like, all I think of is Big Bang Theory. How did like, that last so fucking I've long? Had, Why do people and, and like that show? spinoff that's still on. Young Sheldon. Who gives I, a shit? Sorry, I've folks, if you like it. I've had a couple jobs where coworkers would try and talk to me about Big Bang Theory, and I'd tell them, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> I would get so... Like, I... It's dumb. It's painful to watch Big Bang. I don't care if I offend you. Big Bang Theory is painful. And it's I, a horrible show. I just people. think that that's what a real genius TV show would be. You did mention what the premise was, and it's like not even close to no, what No, it's, it's way far off of what they wanted so to be. it's basically a total reimagining yeah. with just the same title. Uh, with that said, let's move on into logic. Were I to invoke logic, logic clearly dictates that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Now, I've got some logic issues with this movie. I didn't think I would. I thought we'd have to do a new portion of the podcast, like best quotes or something. But surprisingly, there is a lot of logic. Yeah, there's a good amount. We love this movie, so we're not, we're not tearing it apart. We're nope. not, not making fun of this or criticizing. We just have some questions. Yes. That could have been solved with some script writing. First, Mitch is 15 years old. He's a high school student. When he's recruited at the beginning of the movie... To go to Pacific, he's still a high school student. Mm -hmm. Did his high school graduate him? Did he, is he just taking college courses? Because he goes and lives. He moves into the dorms with Chris Knight. And he tells his parents he misses home. He wants to go Go home. Go back to high school. Yeah. So So, what is the... You know, I'm assuming he met some sort of excellent criteria in which he was already accelerated already. And he just said, all right, because you can be a high school kid and take college courses. My God, nieces. Yeah. Yeah. That happens all the time. Mm -hmm. But you can't really be a high school student and leave high school and go to college. No. You know, that that doesn't fly. Uh, Next. How do they sneak onto the military base so easily? <laughs> well, uh, this is how you do it. You put a fake mustache on your face, and then you lie to the security guard. Pre-9-11 world, people. You can just walk right onto a security base. Tell the guy, hey, partner, we're four hours late. It'll be our jobs. All right, go right on in. Jump on the secret military aircraft where we're creating a weapon of mass destruction. Fuck around with it. And then when Hathaway comes in, he realizes, oh, there's a computer chip on the ground. Yeah, they, <laughs> they know exactly where to go. They are geniuses so they yeah. know how to reprogram uh, they're real geniuses yes they they know how exactly to program what they need to program to uh pull off their plan and then when they finally crack the laser problem so when they figure out what they were doing wrong they do essentially a test of the laser mm-hmm. they shoot the laser <laughs> across campus okay mr taylor anytime you're ready okay Ready? Laser on. Whoa! Oh. Oh. All right! Woo. Look at this! Wow. Sorry about the window, sir. And the trees across the quad! What a team. <laughs> yeah. Across the campus, across the quad, across the city, light a billboard on fire, which causes parts of the billboard to hit the awning of the burger place they end up going to. Now, we didn't see. How many casualties did this cause? 
I guarantee you a couple hundred people died. You have to figure it went across fucking town. They shot a laser through campus into downtown. A six megawatt laser. Yes. I just don't. They, we've seen it put a hole through a bronze statue. Yeah. Children were vaporized. Yeah. So if there was anyone in its path, <laughs> any cars, it. anything. Somebody they, shopping at Target, all of a sudden, boom. They don't have. I mean, that's an easy one to solve. Yeah. Send out some of your classmates out and into the path of the laser and yeah. not into the path of the laser, but yeah, just take, but take one for the team, pal. And send them out and just be like, <laughs> no, no one's standing. That's where Bobcat Goldthwait comes then, in. And uh, then it came up earlier with uh, potentially with it. Ick, who bought all the popcorn? Exactly. So they've got enough popcorn inside of Hathaway's house that when it pops, a couple it, hundred pounds of popcorn. Yeah, it, bursts the seams of the house and destroys the house yeah pretty much which is virtually impossible yeah to do. so how who bought all this popcorn who got it into the house did they bring a u-haul truck and just dump the popcorn i mean weird in a big bowl mind you yeah, where it, the laser comes down through the stained glass window doesn't penetrate the bowl doesn't kill kent no kent it's somehow just right behind it and he tucks his wrist back in the air like he's ready to accept jesus into it's, his life it's, weird. it's like he's gonna get beamed up to a <sighs> spaceship it's real weird i also find it weird too i have a logic point here weird character in this movie is one sherry Nugel. now sherry Nugel, we meet at the very beginning where chris knight meets her and we find out later on in the film she just randomly busts into mitch's dorm room mitch taylor uh who? My name is Sherry Nugel. I've been waiting three years for this. For what? For you to be old enough. For what? For this. And wants to fuck him, and she proceeds to say, I've waited three years for this. When so he was 12. She wanted to bang him when he was 12, but now that he's 15, that's fine. She, she even says, like, I wanted to wait till you're old enough. Not old enough to be legal, just, I guess, old enough to... And we're assuming that she's probably in her late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. Okay. And then she ends up with Laszlo after he wins all the prizes. They get married. Hi. Sherry? Sherry Nugel? Hmm. Isn't it great? This is number one. <laughs> I've been looking for him for 10 years. <sighs> Oh, what can I say? She loves me. Congratulations. Well, anyway, you'll, you'll have to come and visit us. What do you mean? I have a little survival place in Wyoming. We're going to live there. Yeah, it's getting kind of weird around here, you know? She says, I've waited 10 years for this. So is she the science whore? It's the only thing I can think well, we've of. We've seen her with Chris at the beginning of the movie. Yes. And he, you know, she just thinks he's hilarious. They had sex. But it's weird because, you know, she's not, you know, they, they did a poor job of writing women in this movie. Yeah. Because she's uh, a hoe. Yeah, she's And a then hoe. you've got Jordan who's psychotic. Yeah, I don't she's know fucking, what, she's speeding nuts. And then the one girl making, like, when Chris makes a comment about her big tits, acts like that that's all she needs to, <laughs> to leave with him. Oh, thank God. Yeah. So he mentioned these things. Yeah, so it's like, they, they do a really poor job. And then yeah. the girl with the pound her dick through a nail. Yeah, the nail board. She fucks Jerry. They make her a hoe, too. So it's yeah. like, and, but I will say in fairness, female director. So I guess it's a pass. Because what's what's the test called? Uh, Rorschach. No, there's a test where litmus. No, with about women characters. Oh, okay. So 
basically, are they being fair to women characters? Are they not being reduced to stereotypes? I guess since it's a female that wrote the movie, I guess it's acceptable I, it's, pass. It's really, really weird. That I, also, they did that. I also have a weird sp- thing. Speaking of the girl with the enormous bosoms that Chris seduces with a hamburger or a hot dog, the pool scene in the orchestra pit, I find intriguing. So this pool, they have it coming down off the stage. It's some sort of vinyl tarp. I would compare it to a slip and slide type material. They put a giant water slide. You know, it's one of those curved water slides where if you're off by an inch, you're going to million dollar baby your head right off the stage. There's two feet of water, if that, maybe a foot and a half. We see a guy who, let's assume he's six feet, give or take. Yeah. The water doesn't even come up to his knee. No, it doesn't. halfway up his shin. No, it doesn't at all. But Jordan, psycho Jordan, who knits sweaters and never sleeps, brings her scuba gear to try her rebreather. Pop quiz, honey. That rebreather ain't going to do a hell of a lot of work in less than two feet of water. (laughs) Meanwhile, everybody has their jugs out. You know, their asses are hanging out. Here comes Jordan in a one-piece scuba suit with her rebreather, looking like she's trying to find the Titanic. In this fucking auditorium. I just want to know where, how Chris got the beauticians to come. Seduction. Maybe he used his penis stretcher <laughs> that we hear in the beginning of the movie. But another thing I also want to bring up, great soundtrack in this movie. Yeah. Not only do you hear Tears for Fears at the end, you get Brian Adams' One Night Love Affair. All she wants to do is dance by Don Henley. The montage music is yeah. amazing. Three montages. In this Three movie. montages. It's not Rocky Four level montage. But great soundtrack in this movie. Yeah. And it still it still sets up perfectly to this very day. Yeah. I yeah, I, I, I don't have anything else for logic. No, neither do I. Oh wait, Mitch's mom rented out his room. Eddie's rented out your room. <laughs> My room? Mom to who? You remember Mr. Ekaverit? He's the plumber. Oh yeah, Mr. Ekaverit, I share it. <laughs> oh yeah. He she's He's been he, gone a what a week. A week. Two weeks. First of all, you just want some rando weird kid walking into your house running out your son's room who's been gone only a week he's 15 he's 15 yeah, yeah he's a genius but he's 15 you think all of his shit is not still and at home when the mom says it he's like well can i share with him that's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be weird some rando guy you're gonna share the same bed that you actually Mitch's slept parents in. they don't do them a lot of justice in this movie they're fucking stupid they ask hathaway if that's his real hair dr hathaway i saw your show the other night on radioactive isotopes mm-hmm. and i've got a question for you yeah. Is that your real hair? Yeah. I tell you, is Mitch by any chance adopted? Well, no. It's amazing. And there you go. Was Mitch adopted? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's weird. So as far as legacy, I don't have much. I mean, I, I my legacy for this movie is that of 80s comedies and, and you know, 80s movies this one's overlooked and underrated very overlooked and underrated yeah because you know it's it's not one of the the john hughes movies or uh anything that gets brought up with any frequency but i love like i i say a while back i watched this and trading places back to back on a mm-hmm. sunday afternoon just one of those lazy sundays laid on the couch watched real genius and trading places back to back. And it was one of the best days I've had forever. It's two amazing movies. A lot of people don't give enough credit to trading places. But speaking of great bosom shots and that. There you go. Jamie Unexpected. Lee Cur- JLC, baby. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis. Hell yeah. So not much for the legacy. Great soundtrack. Underrated, overlooked. I guess we can say a Val Kilmer movie that, oh. you know, he did comedy and he was great. And he pulled it off spectacularly. Yeah, so uh, a good Val Kilmer comedy performance. That's yeah, it. excellent. 
please, everybody, big watch, big recommendation. Once again, pool seniors, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Also, at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at poolscenepodcast at gmail.com. Any movie ideas. We have some amazing movies coming up. If there's a movie you want us to cover, let us know. You're on the journey with us. And now, back to Kevin. Okay, everyone. We would like to thank you for joining us again. We hope you join us next week. And we've got, again, uh, Jim had mentioned for Pool 100. Hashtag Pool 100. Please let us know you have what eight. what movie you want us to cover. You have eight movies. We have eight slots on the wheel. Whatever movies have the highest votes will be put into those eight. We will have a video on Instagram, which will reveal for the movie you guys picked, for episode number nine, viewers' choice. I don't care. Do like literally do anything Passion you of want. Pa- uh, uh, Apocalyptica. Yeah, whatever. Uh, the the Charlie Brown race for your life. I don't sure. care. Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Uh, <laughs> all- Wait, did you say Charlie Brown race for your life? <laughs> yeah, race for your life. That was my favorite Charlie Brown movie. Do JF- race for JFK. your life. JFK. Uh, uh, you want to go even earlier than that? Uh, ben Hur. You want us to do fucking Ben Hur? We'll do Wizard Ben Hur. You want us to do fucking. <laughs> Whatever you want, deep throat. Deep you want throat. us to do porn? Debbie does. <laughs> we'll do fucking porn. If you that's what you want, that's what you're gonna get. We can't thank you guys enough for hashtag pool 100. So just wait till we get to hashtag pool 200. Yeah, we gotta do something big for hashtag pool 200. Yeah, maybe by then we can do a live show. Maybe we can do a live show and maybe pass out merch. Yeah, that's the big thing, pass people. Out. There, we we can't thank you guys enough. I mean, we've only been doing this now for. Well, we've only been doing this now. We're coming up on four months since we started yeah. doing a show. We did it over, you know, all of our quarantine time, and, and we've pulled it off. We and- are closer to our goal than where than we are to the beginning. So yes. we're going to keep going. Yeah, we're going to keep going, and hopefully, you know, with your guys' support and spreading the word, this takes off where. You know, we can get better equipment and we get some merchandise, get some stickers out there for y'all and get Kevin's shirt, Silencia, out there. Yeah, and Get my Silencia shirt out there. <laughs> okay, so we're not going to tell you what we've got coming up next week. I'm sorry. It's a secret, but you will find out soon enough. Yes. With that said, look forward to everyone checking this out this week and next week. Until then, Silencia! Silencia! Silencia!